It's Friday the 1st of April. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines, fires all over the country in the past two weeks, and climate action announced as a new Leaving Cert subject. Also coming up on this week's show, Cara Carney is back with our Book of Leaves collaboration, and we chat to Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, Ireland's weekly climate news podcast. Now, as you know, we are really passionate about delivering climate news, but this week we're going to make an exception. We feel something really, really important has happened that that we can't ignore, that we're going to dedicate a whole special episode to. So we're abandoning climate change for this week and instead we're going to talk about an event that happened at an awards ceremony where a man hit another man and uh, it's clearly the most important thing that ever happened so we're abandoning climate change this week I'm just going to look at the slap April Fools Um, so we're not we're back with our usual mix of features and news so for those of you that don't know this is a volunteer-led project just of people who are passionate about delivering accessible, regular climate news. We feel it's a really important thing to do because climate change is going to affect every facet of our lives and people need to know about it. So if you think that that's important as well, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and tell your friends. So As I said, we're back with our usual mix of news and features this week. And as always, we will start with our news roundup. And I'm delighted to be joined by Kira Daly and Anna Pringle. Kira, how are you keeping? I am very well, Dara. Thank you very much. And what about your fine self? I'm good. Thanks very much. Anna, how are you doing? I'm good, Dara. You had me worried there for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) So if you're not listening to this on the 1st of April, uh, apologies. But that's, that's when it went out. So we're going to start with a roundup of all the stories that we're not going to look in at detail. We're just going to round up the week's climate stories. So, Anna, over to you. Okay, Dara, and as always, there's a lot going on. Uh, Last week, we talked about high temperatures in the polar regions. And this week, satellite data confirmed that the Conger ice shelf in Antarctica has collapsed. The good news is it probably won't have a huge effect. But the bad news is it's likely a sign of things to come. Oil and gas were a huge story again this week. We heard today that Germany is considering rationing gas because Russia has their, is their main supply. In the Arctic, there was a major focus on Ireland's energy challenges and some concerns that we could see fracked gas being used here and also backtracking on LNG commitments. So we have to keep an eye on that. The government also announced a flurry of measures this week. They are going to, or they are planning to spend a billion euro on a new road from Cork to Limerick, supposedly alongside a range of public and active transport measures. We'll reserve our judgment until we see those, because it's still a new road and we know that leads to more traffic. The government also approved the Circular Economy Bill, which aims to keep goods and products in use for as long as possible and make sure the materials are reused and reduce the amount of waste going to landfill. That would be a huge transformation in how we operate. But all we saw yesterday was discussion about coffee cup levies. So there's a way to go on that one. And in good news, solar and wind energy provided over 10% of the world's electricity in 2021 for the first time, with 38% of electricity coming from clean sources, including nuclear and hydro. But electricity demand grew substantially, so we've also seen an increase in coal usage, which we obviously need to reduce. 
Here in Ireland last year, 32.9% of our electricity was generated from renewables. And that's up from just 10% in 2010. So that's a big improvement. And we can still do better. Then last but not least, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock for not mentioning climate change at the Oscars. Thanks, Anna. So now we're going to look at a story that you didn't mention there, which was the fires that were burning around all of Ireland, basically, for the last couple of weeks. So we've seen hill fires, we've seen fires and bogs all around the country in places including Galway, Mayo, Donegal, Monaghan, Down, Kilkenny, Wicklow, Carlow, Cork, Limerick in the Ballyhora Special Area of Conservation and Kerry. There were lots of fires, including one in the Gertadua Special Area of Conservation. So God, that is quite an extensive list. What is causing these fires? Who is causing these fires? I didn't hear anything about this in the news. It hasn't been getting as much coverage as it should, for sure. Yes, and it's something that happens every year um, and it's kind of almost become accepted now. It's a good question, Kira, in terms of who who is causing the fires. The one in Cork, in the Glen, uh, it sounds from uh, from some reports like it was just some children doing it for no, the crack. Then a lot of the fires would be, would be set by farmers to clear land for grazing which is actually totally legal to do if you do it before the end of February. But these fires obviously are happening at the end of March and from the 1st of March it is illegal. So one thing I've observed, Dara, is that the hedgerows are being destroyed right up until the 1st of March. And then a lot of the burning is actually burning pieces that have been cut off hedgerows um so i mean it's, it seems to be and and that part is legal though right i mean it's it's legal to burn or is it because yeah. i've seen some confusion around that yeah it is if you have cut if you have cut hedgerows before the before the first of march uh you can you can let those dry out and then and then burn them and obviously there's been debates online on whether this is you know even if it's legal is this a good thing to do or not but like actually like for me that's nearly not relevant to the to the debate because can we just cut out the illegal stuff first and then worry yeah. about the legal bits when you're saying is it you know is it something we should be doing or not that actually like what's the difference between me setting something on fire on the 28th of february versus on the 1st of march why does it suddenly just become illegal one day it's it's that law is in place with a view to protecting wildlife. So birds start nesting from around the start of March. Their young okay. start hatching. So before then, <clears throat> if there's a fire, uh, most birds will be able to just fly away and escape it. After that, birds have started nesting. They've laid eggs. Their young might have hatched. And so they're just animals that can't escape the blaze that is horrific and it's not and it's not just birds it's it's not just birds it's all any like ground animals um they're all like if you see hares they're starting to have leverets i don't know what yeah, they're called yeah. uh, <laughs> um yeah so there's just a lot of impact on any animals that are that are in the area oh God, that is absolutely awful I, I live in the countryside and i'm finding out at 31 years of age that is what has happened that is awful who is yeah Who's in charge of stopping this? Do I need to get out there? No, in all seriousness, who is in charge of looking after that? So it's sort of nobody because there's two people uh, or there's two groups involved. The National Parks and Wildlife Service have some responsibility for it. And 
uh, the Gardaí do. So in June of last year, uh, it was announced that a wildlife crime unit was going to be set up as a collaboration between these two groups. And that hasn't happened as of yet. Um, So so there's no one there's no one really there's no one really in charge of it. There's very rarely anyone anyone punished for doing it. Um, I was just going to say the the what you hear is well we'd have to catch somebody with a box of matches setting the fire and you you you're never going to catch people literally red handed in this, which is a shame. I mean I've obviously known people do a little bit of burn a little bit that they burn trees or bushes or whatever. But I thought I just never put the two and two together of what actually was living in that bush or underneath it, and that is actually really distur- disturbing. And also just to mention, you know, we're in a biodiversity crisis. We've lost loads of our wildlife. Some of our species are just about hanging on, just about hanging in there. And this is just an extra stress, an extra pressure being put on bird and animal populations that, you know, if we keep going, some birds, uh, some animals aren't going to be able to withstand it. Wow. So it is like, is it a serious problem? Is it just more really a local problem? That That's a really good question in terms of in the short term, they are local problems and that's how they're being treated. But if you look at the big picture, every March, every year, huge parts of our countryside are on fire. So if it was just a one-off fire in the odd place every so often, it's grand. But this is a pattern. Yeah. And what that's doing in the long term is, well, first of all, it's burning carbon stores so places where carbon are being stored is then turning into co2 going into our atmosphere creating emissions secondly it's causing our biodiversity to disappear as i said it's another pressure on our biodiversity and then thirdly in the really long term by degrading this land when we see climate impacts so if we see heavy rains if we've had loads of fires the land will be degraded won't be able to store the water um, from heavy rainfall so we're more likely to see flooding or similarly oh if we've drought the land that has been burnt won't be able to withstand the dry weather as well whereas if it was a regenerated ecosystem like a peatland or a woodland they would be far more resistant to drought yeah. and we're seeing more impact of the fires because our we've recently had drier spring yeah. weather partly because of the climate change and so we've got effectively a drought in spring, which means those fires are likely to take hold and cover much more ground. And it's only a matter of time, I think, really, before you have one that becomes catastrophic. Yeah. Um, like we had a few years ago in Donegal, there was uh, houses burned down because the fires spread so quickly. You know, so um, you know, I, I think we're <laughs> we're playing with fire here. Houses burned down because of these wildfires. Yeah, yeah, in West Donegal, probably. F- Five to seven years ago, I'd say there wow. was a very big one, and um, pe- and lives were threatened. Wow! By it, yeah. Okay, that is insane. Yeah. So it definitely is a national sort of problem, not really local by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, and um, long-term change needs to happen. I mean, there needs to be some sort of long-term incentives or education for people living in the land not to do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to see that in the long term. You know, we need to see a cultural shift. We need to see an economic shift where it's viable for farmers to not have to burn land for for grazing. 
And we also need to see the enforcement. You know, if we could see a change from this year to next year, it's that it's policed, it's that it's actively policed and that they actually catch people and people are prosecuted. So we need to see those two things. Yeah, definitely. um, Going hand in hand. All right. Uh, We'll move on to our next story then, I think, which is a much better news story, I think, which is that during the week... Minister for Education Norma Foley announced that climate action and sustainable development would be a leaving cert subject from 2024. So Dara, have you written a letter of appreciation <laughs> to your favourite minister yet? Um, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is a good a good news story. It's It's good to hear that climate action and sustainable development is going to be an option there for leaving cert students i suppose there are still a lot of questions uh as to what it's actually going to look like as to who's going to be teaching it as to what the course content is going to be and as to how many students will actually be able to access it i have a question yeah go on are you going to tell norma foley it's a job well done (laughs) um not yes too soon too soon yeah let's wait and see what happens so i am a teacher so i'm you know, involved in education and I've looked into the Department of Education's history of climate action and it's not good. Uh, So if you look back at our climate action plans, they've said in the past that they will ensure that all curriculums are reviewed against climate action and that they'll build climate literacy through the primary, secondary and adult education curriculums. And we haven't seen that. So I'm waiting to see what if they will actually do what they've said they're going to do. But also, I suppose there's sort of, and I've chatted to a couple of people involved in environmental education, and they would have similar reservations that it's a step in the right direction, but actually we need to see if education is going to rise to the challenge that climate change presents. We need to see whole-scale changes to our education system. We need to see climate change integrated into all subject areas. We need to see a major upskilling of teachers in this area. So... It's a step in the right direction as long as it's not the only step and it's as long as it's the start of a number of measures then. Do we know what... So it's climate action and sustainable development. Do we know any more about what that subject looks like? No, no, no. No, No, so it's literally an announcement at this point. Um, And, and, you know, you could argue that actually you'd be better off weaving it throughout history, geography, economics, etc., so, you know, it's, it's been an interesting one to see how it plays out. I mean, I, actually, my, my 13-year-old who's in first year is doing something called student enrichment. And they oh, have a unit good. on, yeah, they have a unit on climate change and climate justice, oh. which I was surprised to see. Um, and it's, it's apparently the blurb says it's to give them a greater understanding of the causes and impacts of climate change and empower them to take action and raise awareness. It seemed kind of positive to me. I'm not sure where it came from, if it's just an individual teacher who has an interest or if it's part of the overall curriculum. Um, and my 13-year-old wasn't very enlightening <laughs> on any of that. Um, <laughs> try asking a 13-year-old boy for any information, and you know what I mean. Um, but, but yeah, it sounded, sounded quite positive. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So Dara, you then picked the Not Climate story this week. I did. I did. Yeah. And I thought a nice one to look at would be the census, which is happening on the 3rd of April for a couple of reasons. First of all, obviously, this data will be there forever and it will be there for historians to look back on. And I think one thing is that when historians are looking back at this data, you know, there will be addresses on the census that will have been 
abandoned due to sea level rise in the future. So a few weeks ago, um, the chairman of the OPW, Morris Buckley, came out and said that every community, it won't be possible to protect every community, that some places may have to be abandoned. And a survey that came out last week, um, the 21-22 climate survey published by the European Investment Bank, found that one in five people in Ireland expect to have to move to another region in the future because of climate change. Uh, So that will be an interesting thing to look back on uh, with this census data. I was actually very surprised that there wasn't more reaction to what Morris Buckley, the OPW head, said um, that, you know, communities might have to be abandoned. I mean, if if a green TD says we probably should uh, turn our heat down, there's war over it, but... (laughs) Everybody, everybody, like, that one just sort of fell under the radar completely. Um, and it's a fundamental thing if you think about it. Um, I suppose the one other thing then about this uh, census is there's a time capsule element where people can write... Um, that is so ...can write something alley. on a page that's going to be sealed for 100 years and reopened in 100 years. And the Irish Times ran an article uh, where they got different Irish people of note to write uh two people a hundred years in the future and it was interesting because the vast majority of them didn't mention climate change um so a huge shout out to sarah moss and mancon mcgann who wrote some really thought-provoking stuff uh around climate change um a lot of people wasn't on including luke o'neill wasn't on their wasn't on their radar at all you know what's funny you think it's like so crazy that people haven't said anything about climate change. I think that's so normal. If I was writing a lovely letter to the future, I would be like, life is great, live, laugh, love. What if it all works out? Why, <laughs> like, what's the big deal if they're not saying this? Well, because you can't think 100 years into the future without thinking about the impact, of, well, I can't and Dara can't, um, about the impact that we are already seeing and how that could get much yeah. worse or how how it could be dealt with and hopefully fixed um i really liked actually what uh, frank o'connor who's a an activist and sustainable designer i liked what he said he said that um it was almost too late when we realized we got carried away we thought individualism and endless consumption would make us happy and technology was the savior yeah he's yeah. saying he's saying we were wrong basically yeah, yeah. um yeah yeah one of the responses that annoyed me a bit, actually, was that of Fianna Fáil TD, Christopher O'Sullivan, whose was very brief. Um, and just to say that he is, I would say, by far and away the best Fianna Fáil TD when it comes to climate action and climate change. He said, I'm sorry for the state the planet is in. We should have cared more. Also, Google Curlew. It was a stunning wading birth with a long, decurved bill. And that's all he said. Um, Why did that annoy you so much? Is that not good, like, that he's, like... See, he's representing what you're feeling. Um, I guess, I guess it is. I guess that's one way to look at it. For me, it just really annoys me that he's saying we should have cared more. It's like, well, why yeah. don't you care more now? You're a TD. Yeah. You can actually change these things. Why are you apologising for the state the planet is in to the people in the future? Apologise to the people now who you represent, and then say I'm going to try really hard. You know, yeah. not this kind of like. Oh yeah, we should have cared more. Like that's such a defeatist thing yeah. to say. Yeah, that's Yeah. I mean to be to be generous to him, I think he was trying to be just a bit smart about it, but 
it didn't yeah. read well for yeah sure. and i think you know um, and and absolutely like be happy to give him the benefit of the doubt because as i say yeah. he is he is quite good on climate stuff so if he wants to come clarify this uh be happy be happy to chat to him on that I have to say my favourite one was the anonymous one that they picked up somewhere <laughs> that said it's twenty one twenty two and have Mayo won in all Ireland oh, yet? Mayo. I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe when Dublin's underwater, uh, Mayo will win in all Ireland. <laughs> okay, great stuff. Thank you very much for that, everyone. We will chat to you both next week. Thanks, Dara. Looking forward to it. are listening to the climate alarm clock ireland's weekly climate news podcast don't forget to follow us on social media you can follow us on instagram and facebook at climate alarm clock and on twitter at the climate alarm still to come we restart our book of leaves collaboration with cara carney and i chat to niall hatch from birdwatch ireland now it's time for the irish enviro event guide for the week starting the 4th of april on Monday the 4th of April at 6pm, the Friends of the Earth Learning Hub continues with an online workshop about navigating climate anxiety. You can register for it via foe.ie and with an IPCC report coming out on Monday morning, it feels like a timely session. On Tuesday the 5th of April at 1pm, there's an online session as part of the Ask the Farmer series run by Farming for Nature. This session is with Madeline McKeever from Brown Envelope Seeds and you can register for that via Zoom. On Tuesday the 5th of April at 7.30, Connecting Communities with Peatlands is starting a webinar series with the aim of supporting peatland communities in the Midlands to build their knowledge, understanding and engagement with peat bogs. It's free and you can register for this online series on eventbrite.ie. On Wednesday the 6th of April at 1pm in Glore in Ennis, County Clare, there's a Circular Economy Academy Clinic. This will provide business support services including advice for startup, circular business planning, development, funding, diversification and training. And there's also free one-on-one mentoring available for learning about social enterprise, design thinking and circular economy. You can register via eventbrite.ie. At 6pm on Wednesday the 6th of April, the DCU Centre for Climate and Society will be hosting a webinar reflecting on the IPCC report that's being published on Monday. You can register for that via Zoom or dcu.ie forward slash comms team. On Thursday the 7th of April at 11am in Ballinari, County Sligo, there's a celebration of conservation success on Loch Arrow. So you can find out more about the great work that's going on there. You can register via eventbrite.ie and get the exact location. Finally, for this week, on Friday the 8th of April at 7pm in Dewhamlet Community Centre in Monaghan, there's a home energy upgrade show. So if you're up around Monaghan and you're thinking of renovating, upgrading, insulating or retrofitting your home, go along to this show. There are talks from industry experts about the latest technology, planning your project, how to access green energy grants and more. You can register via eventbrite.ie and tickets start from €16. 
That's it for this week's Irish Enviro event guide. If you have any events that you would like to let us know about, you can email us on climatealarmclock at gmail.com or contact us via our social media channels. So we're trying out a new format this season where we chop our episodes up into different parts so you can just dip in and out, listen to different segments as you choose. So that is the end of part one of this episode. Coming up in part two, Cara chats to Patrick Kerwin from the ISSN. And in part three, I chat to Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. So find part two wherever you listen to your podcast. And sure, while you're at it, why not write us a lovely review? 